0: Welcome to the BCP and Me, the podcast that explores the Book of Common Prayer as a manual for living and how it instructs our living out of our Christian faith. Joining with me today is Father Joshua Nelson as we continue our journey through the 1979 Book of Common Prayer. And in a little bit of what is a swap for us Father Joshua is actually in the same room with me. I have apparated to Wisconsin, live and in person. And for those Wisconsinites that are listening, and I know there are a few of of you, yes, he's had cheese curds. Yes, he's had spotted cow. We've been to Madison. uh, And he's even had a chance to play with my daughter. So... Father Joshua, how has Wisconsin treated you thus far? Treated me well thus far. It's nice getting this little taste of fall
1: compared to where I normally reside. It's nice and hot, you know, keeping you out of hell.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not exactly sure how to respond to that. (laughs) Um, Well, we're going into Holy Week, so... Well, at least in the prayer book, we're in the middle of Holy Week. (laughs) Uh, Father Joshua also had a few days of of retreat at Holy Wisdom Monastery in Madison. Uh, Holy Wisdom Monastery, get a brief plug-in for uh, for them, uh, is a ecumenical Benedictine monastery uh, that started out as part of the Roman Catholic Church and uh, has since left the Roman Catholic Church and now operates as a Benedictine center for spirituality for all people, regardless of persuasion. Uh, And so we had a few days of their really great food and their really good hospitality and their beautiful grounds. And all in all, I thought it was a good trip, too.
1: And just another plug for them. If you are into creation care at all, check them out. Uh, They've restored the prairie lands and um, grounds around the monastery and have even uh, been recipients of the Franciscan Award, I think, in 2017 or uh, the Assisi Award, and just do some marvelous work on that front. So you should really check them out. That's the uh, Monastery of Holy Wisdom.
0: Yeah, you can find them online, I think, at com, Or we have that the magic of Google these days, so you can just Google Holy Wisdom Monastery, Madison, Wisconsin, and I'm sure that the sisters will pop up on your browser. But we're not necessarily here to talk about Benedictine spirituality, although we're never not talking about Benedictine (laughs) spirituality, because it's rooted in what our prayer book is. We're here today to talk about Palm Sunday, or as our prayer book calls it, on page 270 for those of you playing the home game, the Sunday of the Passion. Um, What does that mean, Father? Father? Well, um, there's a really good place for a joke there, but I'm not going to tell it because this is a G-rated podcast. Uh, But the Sunday of the Passion is the day that we think of Jesus' crucifixion. On the same day that we think of Jesus riding into Jerusalem in glory. Because Passion comes from the word
1: Passione, meaning suffering. So uh, we are looking ahead to Christ's suffering that we will be remembering in the great triduum, the great three days uh, in the week to come. But this is where it all begins. It all begins with Christ's entrance into Jerusalem. And we commemorate that every year and kind of act it out every year in the church.
0: Depending on what year it is in the church, and by year I'm taking us back to our three year lectionary cycle that we talked about towards the beginning of our time together in the last season. Uh, Please see episodes one through eight for that. Um, You will get a different passage from one of the synoptic gospels. Now, the synoptic gospels are so named synoptic, meaning same vision. Because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three synoptic Gospels, all have a similar vision on what the ministry and the Gospel and the scope of Jesus' uh, Jesus's Gospel and his ministry were. Uh, so if we're talking about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we're talking about the synoptic Gospels. But for the Liturgy of the Palms, which is the first part of this two-part liturgy, we get three different readings that describe Jesus's triumphal entry into the holy city of Jerusalem, and because we are in year B, uh, we would have had Gospel according to Mark for this triumphant reading or this triumphant entry, <laughs> I should say. I don't know if the reading will be triumphal or not. We it all depends. It, it all depends on who you have read it. So, uh, this is a reading from the Gospel according to St. Mark. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately, as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What what are you doing, untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David, Hosanna in the highest. Then he entered into Jerusalem and went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We've gotten just a little bit ahead of ourselves in our (laughs) podcast. We're in the same room with each other, so these things are going to happen. So as we begin our time together, let us pray. Assist us mercifully with your help, O Lord God of our salvation that we may enter with joy upon the contemplation of those mighty acts whereby you have given us life and immortality. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. few practical things about the Sunday of the
1: Passion. We get some really nice instructions, and in the older prayer books, and the older missal, it would have been written in um, red. These are called the rubrics. Uh, If you're looking at your prayer book, they are the italicized sections. And ours says, when circumstances permit, the congregation may gather at a place apart from the church, so that all may go into the church in procession. Now, why do we do this? Why do we um, go somewhere else? (laughs) father, Tyler, just looks at me with open hands. Um, So, As you heard in the narrative from Mark, they were in a place called Bethany and Bethphage, which is just on the other side of the Mount of Olives from Jerusalem. This is where Jesus' procession began. So as he was riding the donkey, riding the colt, and depending on which gospel you're reading, there are one or two, and he's coming over the Mount of Olives, riding from uh, the east and looking down toward the temple. And people can see him coming over the hill, and that's when they start gathering. So, people then are following Jesus and this procession into Jerusalem. We are literally acting this out as if we are in first century Judea. And um, the whole drama of Passion Week, of Passion Tide, and Holy Week is... Uh, meant for us to kind of recreate it in our own spaces, to really um, take on the physicality of these events. And uh, it's not just in the hearing. It's not just in our words, but we act it out. We actually take steps. Um, The next rubric says, The branches of palm or of other trees or shrubs to be carried in the procession may be distributed to the people before the service or after the prayer of blessing. Now, I know nowadays many of our churches will order palms um, from different places and they get delivered just before Holy Week, but the rubrics do say a palm or other tree or shrub. Through much of the history of the church, these greeneries that were used were just whatever was growing whatever could be found around the property uh, around the parish in um Palestine Judea it was palms in uh Egypt and and, you know in the Saharan area it was palm branches in northern Europe they're using um evergreens that are still green or um pussy willow branches or things like that that are going to come up at that time of year. And everyone brings them to the church, and there's this old tradition that they get blessed at the church, and sometimes they would then take them home and hang them over their door as a sign of Palm Sunday. Uh, There's also a really fun tradition that comes out of uh, Tudor England, Um, so 16th century, of basically having a snowball fight but with your branches. I'm not sure how comfortable that was, but everybody kind of gathered in the square after Mass and threw branches at each other.
0: Well, if you're Finnish and you're used to the tradition of the sauna, you're already whipping yourself with cedar boughs, so there's no problem. Or, or the pussy willows. Or, so. or that too. <laughs> and as these people are processing, they have in their hands a copy of the 1982 hymnal all the way back in first century Palestine, and of course they're singing hymn number 154 All glory laud and honor to thee Redeemer King although it typically get typically gets sung as All glory laud and honor to thee Redeemer King there is a <laughs> comma there in the text and the reason it's important to observe that comma is because it gives us greater context as to what is going on with this procession as we see Jesus coming down from the Mount of Olives, through the Kidron Valley, and then back up into the gate that leads inside of the city. And we have a little bit of clue from our reading from the Gospel of Mark when the people are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus, as we recognize now, is riding into town as the Messiah, but to the eyes of the people living at the time, it would have seemed like this is Jesus come forth to claim the throne of his ancestor David. And so they're paying homage to their king that is riding into town, not necessarily on a white horse, we're not told what color the colt is, uh, like Father Joshua was saying in other places, it's a donkey, but they're they're scattering these branches on the ground as a way of paying homage to their king that's coming into their midst. Now we can look at this passage now and say, well, of course we're we're recognizing Jesus as the as the king of of all creation, but in this time in this place with these people, they would have been recognizing the king of Israel. They were giving Jesus the royal welcome, as it were, rolling out the green carpet instead of the red one. (laughs) And uh, they're they're looking for this
1: kind of military victory, right? There is a visceral aspect to this. There is singing that has to happen. Um, The entire first part of this service can be sung, and you'll understand why that's so important when we get um, later into the service. But we also have those famous words that are repeated over and over again. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now I want us for a moment just to look at that word Hosanna. That word Hosanna has a special meaning. And we often think of it as a, as a, a word of praise, a song of praise. But it isn't. If we if we go from the Hebrew and we go from the Aramaic, it really means "save me," "save us." Uh, it's Hoshuana, and it's, it has the same um, root as the name of Jesus in Hebrew, which is Joshua, Yeshua. Uh, that Shua being salvation, save us. The people are pleading with Jesus to come in and be the king of Israel and to save them from the restraints of the Romans.
0: So we can already see initially, even here, in the first official service of Holy Week, the beginnings of the tension that build up between Jesus and the Roman authorities. Jesus rides into town and is welcomed as a king, and Rome will tolerate no rivals. So we can already see a little bit of enmity here developing between Jesus and the Romans, and we can see why there might have been a little bit of tension in the city during this Holy Week. There is an
1: apocryphal story that Pilate himself was coming in from Caesarea and actually riding on a white horse coming in on the other side of the city as Jesus was coming in on a donkey at the same time. And Pilate being met with no uh, celebration and no procession um, while Jesus is being met with all the people of Jerusalem.
0: You know, that's that's really got to be awkward. I mean, you've got to time these entourages as they're coming into the city and, you know... Everybody should have had their Google calendar synced up. And looking at their iPhones, I'm sure it was a time zone thing. Yeah. Pilate and Jesus got their calendars mixed up. You know, these things happen, I'm sure. <laughs> so we, we see in the first couple of pages of this service the liturgy of the poems. And we, we bless the poems after we've had the gospel reading. And then we have the procession as we go forth in peace in the name of Christ. Amen. And the rubrics on the bottom of page 271 tell us that during the procession, all hold branches in their hands. and appropriate hymns, psalms, or anthems are sung. And at a suitable place, the procession may halt while the following or some other collect is said. And it's here that we begin to see a little bit of a swap And we began to encounter a little bit of the complication of a service that is Palm Sunday, or the Sunday of the Passion, in the colic that Father Joshua is going to read.
1: The Lord be with you.
0: And also with you. Let
1: us pray. Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain, and entered not into glory before he was crucified mercifully grant that we walking in the way of the cross may find it none other than the way of life and peace through jesus
0: christ our lord amen amen so wait a minute hey zana hosanna zana zana hey <laughs> zana hosanna hosanna No offense to Andrew Lloyd Webber. Plenty of offense to Andrew Lloyd Webber. I just did a terrible job of that. (laughs) That is your Broadway reference for this podcast (laughs) from Jesus Christ Superstar. My wife and I watch it religiously, pun completely intended. Just if you're keeping tally. If you're keeping tally of what the show reference was going to be for this podcast. Um, We've gone from moment of Hosanna to a collect that is then focusing on Jesus not going... Up to joy, but first suffering pain, and not going into glory before he was crucified. And now we're talking about walking in the way of the cross and finding it none other than the way of life and peace. Where did the palm branches go? Where's the party? Where's our Savior being received as a king?
1: And and this is why I think having music at the beginning of this service is so important because it it brings into stark contrast uh, the rest of it. At this point, there is no more music. Uh, in fact, you are going to leave this service in silence, um, where it is most appropriate, and our whole mindset suddenly changes. And the question is, you know, we are acting this out. Did that happen in the minds of the people that are with Jesus? Did that happen in the minds of the disciples? We go from this great moment of joy and celebration to realizing that something else is going on. Something else is happening.
0: Our life is about to change. Palm Sunday is one of these services that happen throughout the course of the year where our readings are set. And um, so we'll we'll get another um, another collect, and then we'll talk about some of the readings that come up in this service as we continue our exploration of this. So for the third time this podcast, the Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, in your tender love for the human race, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature and to suffer death upon the cross, giving us the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever.
1: Amen. You know, Father, I just noticed that this is, I think appropriately, the third time that we've stopped mm. as we're going through this day. There's a prayer right at the beginning, but that is part of the salutation. And then we do stuff and we move and we stop and we pray. And then we do more stuff and we process and we stop and we pray. And then we continue in silence and we stop. And we pray. Mm. It's like we need that repetition. We need those different pauses in order to get our spirit in the right place, because it doesn't happen immediately. Right. We kind of have to ease in. You. Holy Week is going to come whether we are ready for it or not. It can be jarring. It can be abrupt. This service allows us,
0: in a small way, to ease into it. And and certainly, making that transition from this great explosion of celebration to this sudden contemplation of what Holy Week is actually about is better aided when liturgically we have these stations. The station that we begin at with, with the Hosannas, the station somewhere along the way where we stop, and we begin to introduce this idea of crucifixion. And then after the procession has ended and we're all in our favorite pews and the visitors aren't sitting in our pew, they're in their right spot, <laughs> we've all found our place into the church, and the priest, or if you're lucky enough to have a bishop on this Sunday, is at the front, and they've started with the salutation that we're all familiar with and this beautiful collect, that reminds us why Jesus did this at all. And now we're into the thick of it. Now we are getting down into the meat of what really is beginning in this Holy Week. In in terms of of readings, um, if you're following along with us, we're on the bottom of page 272. You have passages that are um, available to you from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah is most often looked at as the book of prophecy that really talks about the Messiah at length, at what we can expect from the Messiah. We get in the second option for the readings, we get the prophecy about the suffering servant And if you don't have a prayer book in front of you, I'm going to give you this scripture notation so that you can look at this. But you have the option of Isaiah chapter 45, verses 21 through 25, or you have the option of Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13 through chapter 53, verse 12. And in 50 in the second reading we see this beautiful prophecy that Isaiah gives to us about how the servant of God shall prosper, shall be high and lifted up. And there were many who were astonished at him. So marred was his appearance beyond human semblance. And Isaiah says that so he shall startle many nations and kings shall shut their mouths because of him. And he goes on to say that surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, because he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. And this goes on for some length as we get this powerful prophecy from a powerful prophet, who spoke to not only the misery of the people of Israel who were in captivity in Babylon, but also of their redemption and their release from that captivity. It ticks all the boxes in terms of what you want to see in a passage that points us towards Jesus and what we see revealed in the passion of the Christ. The real passion of the Christ, not the film by Mel Gibson. That's a whole other podcast.
1: then after we get the Old Testament reading and this look at the prophecies we are dropped right into the recitation of Psalm 22 and if you have any familiarity with the account of the crucifixion which we will hear in um, the gospel later this is the psalm that Jesus is singing because that's what you do with them this is the psalm that Jesus is singing while nailed to the cross father I wonder if we might just um, go through that antiphonally sure and we'll, we'll kind of break it apart My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And are far, so far from my cry and from the words of my distress.
0: O my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not answer. By night is well, but I find no rest. Yet you are the Holy One, enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Our forefathers put their trust in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried out to you and were
1: delivered. They trusted in you and were not put to shame. But
0: as for me, I am a worm and no man, scorned by all and despised by the people.
1: All who see me laugh me to scorn.
0: They carol their lips and wag their heads, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him if he delights in him.
1: Yet you are he who took me
0: out of the womb and kept me safe upon my mother's breast. I have been entrusted to you ever since I was born. You were my God when I was still in my mother's womb. Do not, be not far
1: from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help.
0: Many young bulls encircle me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their jaws at me, like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart within my breast is melting wax. My mouth is dried out like a potsherd.
1: My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. And you have laid me in the dust of the grave.
0: Packs of dogs close me in, and gangs of evildoers circle around me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my
1: garments among them. They cast lots for my clothing.
0: Be not far away, O Lord. You are my strength. Hasten to help me. Save me from the sword my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, my wretched body from the horns of wild bulls. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst
1: of the congregation I will praise you.
0: Praise the Lord, you that fear him. Stand in awe of him, O offspring of Israel. All of you of Jacob's line give glory. For he does not despise nor abhor the
1: poor in their poverty, neither does he hide his face from them. But when they cry to him, he hears them.
0: My praise is of him in the great assembly. I will perform my vows in the presence of those who worship him.
1: The poor shall eat and be satisfied, and those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your heart live forever.
0: All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall bow before him. For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. To him alone all who sleep in the earth bow down in worship. All who go down to the dust fall before him.
1: My soul shall live for him. My descendants shall serve him. They
0: shall be known as the Lord's forever. They shall come and make known to a people yet unborn the saving deeds that he has done.
1: In the reading from the Gospel, we only get that first part. as Jesus, It says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? But I imagine, I imagine those that were really with it, particularly the women that were at the foot of the cross, who would have known these psalms, who would have known these hymns, would have heard him start it, and would have been able to remember the last verse. It's as if I were to suddenly say, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And I'm sure Father Tyler could finish it.
0: I'd probably get the lines wrong, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Nobody remembers the order of the verses, in, but yeah. Um,
1: I wonder if that would have brought any comfort to anybody. Or at least in the mind of Christ himself, thinking on the end, to him alone, who sleep, all who sleep in the earth bow down in worship, all who go down to the dust fall before him. My soul shall live for him. My descendants shall serve him. They shall be known as the Lord's forever. They shall come to make known to a people yet unborn the saving deeds that he has done. In other words, this death is not the end.
0: Well, and we've even expanded the reading of the psalm out quite a bit. Uh, the the psalm that's prescribed is only the first 21 verses uh, of verse 22, which kind of leaves you with a little bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah, it leaves you hanging. Um,
1: but I, if you are familiar with the Psalms, mm-hmm. which if you are praying the daily office, that second half is with you.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that this psalm is is really set here to do is is not only to put us in the mind of Christ Jesus, as we're about to talk about in the epistle from Philippians, um, but also to give us a sense of the gravity of what is happening and what is being worked out here. That as we're going to see in the gospel according to Mark, which is so long that reading it would become very hard, um, for a, an hour long podcast. Um, but as as we're going to see, and as we recount the story of of the passion narrative, we're going to begin to see that this passion, this this suffering on the cross, is a deeply visceral experience that I think by and large, and Father Joshua can feel free to agree with me or disagree with me as he is wont to do we've domesticated it so much and the whole arc of the story of holy week has been domesticated that we have oh well you know it's palm sunday thank god lent is over we're coming into holy week and i can have everything that i gave up back and and it's time for me to time for me to go back to the way that things were oh yeah that's right we've got palm sunday on sunday and Well, then there's that Maundy Thursday, and they wash feed on Maundy Thursday, and that's gross, so I'm not going to go to that. And then there's Good Friday, and then Lord have mercy, we'll be up all night at the vigil, and I've got to get my deviled eggs done for the picnic on Easter Sunday. And we think about all of that, but we often lose touch with the powerful act that we hear in that opening collect from the Liturgy of the Palms those mighty acts whereby you, O Lord God, have given us life and immortality through Jesus Christ our Lord. We forget the nails, the wormwood, the gall, the hardwood of the cross, the weeping, the gnashing of teeth, and my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we do it at our own peril. And I, I think it's so complicated, and I think it's so beautiful and so powerful, because these aren't just the words of a man who are hanging on that cross. These are the words of our God incarnate hanging on the cross. And I don't know of anywhere else in the world, in any of the world's traditions that are vast and varied, and they can't all be known to any of us in all of their incarnations. But I don't know of another tradition where a God comes and is incarnate and then gives up His own life for the welfare of the people that love Him and worship Him. But maybe that's just me.
1: He's about to preach, (laughs) y'all. Philippians.
0: Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness And before we jump into this, I want to say that the way this is set out in Scripture, you would be able to look at it, it's Philippians 2, chapter 5 through 11, but when you encounter it in the text, it is indented, which means that in its original form, it would have been a form of poetry, and we've kind of mangled some of that. In the rough translation of it, so that in the Greek it's not as pretty as it would be in the original Greek. Are you saying that, like the Psalms, it is a hymn? I might say something like that. Maybe a hymn of the early church.
1: And it, just a side a side note here, sidebar. May I approach the bench? <laughs> um, as as the one with the music degree. I will say it is our hymns. It is our hymns where we get the bulk of our belief, the bulk of our theology, um, because those are the things that stick with us. Prose are great, but the human mind does not hold on to them like it does to poetry, like it does to hymnody. Um, The beauty of that is what really, punctures our heart and punctures our soul and stays with us. Um, I may not get through this. Um, many, many of us have had family members or friends who have suffered from um, Alzheimer's or uh, some other debilitating disease of the mind where it's known as the long goodbye. We lose them. They forget everyday things. They forget who we are, who their children are. Um, Recently went through this with my grandmother, but I can tell you one thing about almost every dementia and Alzheimer's patient I've ever met is if I can sing a hymn that they knew as a child or bring up some music, they can hum along, they can sing along. They remember every single word, because that is what sticks with you.
0: And as we enter into Holy Week, we could do a whole episode. As we enter into the Holy Week exploration of this portion of the prayer book, I should say, we're well into the season after Pentecost and the church calendar. But as we explore this and we come across Holy Week, there are hymns here that are written and that are hymns that exist from as early as the seventeenth century. Some of these that we sing, some are some are older. That that drive home the power of this week. Oh, sacred head, sore wounded, defiled and put to scorn. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? If you've never heard that sung before, it even now, makes the hairs on my arm stand straight up. Go to dark Gethsemane, ye that feel the tempter's power. And these these songs, like Father Joshua was saying, draw us deeper into the mystery of this week. They are there to draw us into the contemplation and to find their roots in the very coffers of our hearts so that when we come to these points in the church year, that again, hot take here, you can't. You come to this podcast for the hot takes, I know, that these are services in the church year that sometimes get skipped over. Again, to our peril. These, these liturgies that exist in a state that almost makes them ephemeral are here to draw us deeper into our own relationship with God. And to draw us deeper into our faith as Christians.
1: If you have never experienced, or if it has been a long time since you have experienced the full structure of Holy Week. um, So Passion Sunday, Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, the Great Vigil, Easter Sunday. I challenge you this year. I know there's lots going on, do it as safely as possible, but I challenge you this year to come into that with a, a new sense of wonder and just see what God has for you.
0: And for those of you that are planners and like to have things on your calendar ahead of time, go ahead and pull out your planner for 2022 or go ahead and surf over there with your Google Calendar and put Sunday, April the 10th, on your calendar. Because that's the Sunday that we call the Sunday of the Passion or Palm Sunday. And I promise you that you can find for yourself an Episcopal church or a Lutheran church or a Catholic church that is out there that is celebrating that day in all of its grandeur.
1: Um, and, and not particularly within the... Um, the older traditional churches, you get both the celebration and the contemplation, the rejoicing and the sadness in this day. And I think it's very important to remember that. Um, Especially if we skip the other services. I know growing up, it was always the joy of Palm Sunday and then the joy of Easter Sunday.
0: Oh my gosh, growing up I didn't know anything about Holy Week. Yeah, what
1: happened in between?
0: I knew it was the Friday before Holy Week because Charlton Heston and Yul Brynner was on television (laughs) and Charlton Heston was there in all of his white-haired glory with his technicolor grandeur, his staff in his hand, and his arms spread wide, behold his mighty hand! And Yul Brynner was looking constipated through three quarters of that film. And of course... I knew it was Easter because the Ten Commandments were on. Never mind that the television station in Huntsville, Alabama was actually owned by a Jewish family who made sure that the Ten Commandments were broadcast every year (laughs) around what great Jewish feast? The Passover And we, we can't talk about Holy Week without talking about Passover because of the, the connections between those two things. But lest we forget Jesus' crucifixion takes place in the midst of the Jewish celebration of the Passover. But there's more to come.
1: <laughs> Tune back in for future episodes.
0: <laughs> well, this is just Palm Sunday. This is just Palm Sunday. Spoilers. My goodness.
1: Um Then we move into the Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And normally on a Sunday, we would say, The Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. And the response is, Glory to you, Lord Christ. And on this day, we cut that response. We don't say, Glory to you, O Christ. We go right into the reading. We dive deep. into the reading. And as we said earlier, we're not going to read through these, but there are some rubrics and, and different ways of engaging with the gospel on this day that we don't get to do normally. Um, so, the first rubric, I'll just say, the Passion gospel may be read or chanted by a layperson. Specific roles may be assigned to different persons, the congregation taking the part of the crowd. So, it can literally be acted out um and there are are different publications that allow us to do this um but that is all uh, that always struck me my first time at a palm sunday service where that happened and all of a sudden i was in the crowd shouting crucify him crucify him it was me saying it with the person next to me where only 40 minutes earlier, I was saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. It hits in a different way.
0: Well, it hits because it it prevents us from not taking it personally. Yeah. Which is what Good Liturgy is designed to do. It makes us not only a recipient of the grace, but also a participant in, in that reception that... that we contemplate the mighty acts that we ourselves are a part of, not just as recipient of the grace that comes about through the sacrifice that Jesus is demonstrating, but realizing what our part in all of it is. You have to have that moment of compunction, which is much better than the evangelical term word of conviction. We're talking about the wounding of the heart. The arrow pierce. The 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 moment of recognition of of God's grace for us in spite of what we are, you have to have that moment to really tap into how deep and how wide the love of God actually is. And so we have to be there shouting, crucify Him.
1: And this jumps a little, well, I will break this much more open on the Good Friday uh, episode, but that realization that Christ's death on the cross is God willingly offering himself. God willingly dying. Why? Because we asked for it. We called for it. We said, you need to die. Crucify him. And God said, yes. Yes.
0: We also have to set that inside of the context of millennia, eons of people that cried out to God for a Messiah, that cried out to God to, so that they could be reconciled with God. And, of course, as we started this conversation, we were talking about the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem looking a lot like a militaristic entry into a walled city a royal procession. A royal procession for the conquering victor who has taken over. And what instead we find is Jesus, meek and mild and silent as a lamb before its shearers.
1: Led back outside the city.
0: Led back outside the city. Um, like a wounded animal. Like a sheep that has been slaughtered. Um. It's, it's one of the reasons why messiahship doesn't always translate for everyone. Because it wasn't the messiah that was desired. It was the messiah that we needed. Mm-hmm. At least we believe this in the Christian faith. Um, that that Jesus comes to us as messiah in sacrifice. and And, and at the end of all things... When the line is finally drawn under everything, Jesus will return uh, to set up his everlasting kingdom on earth. But uh, that's further down the line. In the meantime... Let's conquer sin and death in the grave first, if you please. <laughs> you know, the little things. <laughs> and really, that's the part of this that we miss. Is that Jesus is coming in as the conquering hero.
1: But it's what he's what is he
0: conquering? He's not conquering Rome. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Jesus is coming in to do away with the shroud that is cast over all people. He's doing away with that which, which has prevented us from having that close relationship with God. He's doing away with the power of sin and death in the grave. John Chrysostom's powerful Easter sermon is something that I will save. I want to get to Easter so bad. I need to get there. So bad. Patience.
1: Patience. But, There's three days in the grave. Patience, young Patawan.
0: But we have a whole lot to go through before we get to any of that. I just This he's, week is so powerful. He's
1: about to jump out of his
0: seat, y'all. <laughs> Just seriously though people miss this week I, I can't tell you the number of congregations I have stood before and I have said okay y'all and I say it just like that okay y'all don't miss Holy Week don't miss it you can't miss it it's so powerful and Palm Sunday is our vestibule into the rest of the week I'll try to behave myself Father Joshua mea culpa. Another point in the
1: gospel readings that we take this on physically, we manifest this story, is the congregation may be seated for the first part of the Passion, which we highly recommend. It's very long. But at the verse which mentions the arrival at Gogotha, the rock on which Christ is crucified, there's a pause And all stand. It's almost like as Christ is raised up, we have to rise up too. Mm. And we have to feel a little uncomfortable. We're standing for the rest of this story, the rest of this narrative. And your knees start to ache. And you hear as as Christ struggles for breath. And you are taking it on. You are living into this to understand it.
0: But if we think about it, we are still the crowd.
1: Standing around, mocking.
0: We are the ones looking up at the cross, and we're currently in a room with a corpus at my church with Jesus hanging on the cross, so this is a little more powerful when we are in the room with an image of a crucified Christ on a cross. You are the crowd standing there, taking it in, Perhaps trying to make sense of it yourself, of what's happening there. Maybe you're mocking or maybe you're weeping like one of the disciples. uh, Maybe, Maybe you're ready
1: to run away like the other apostles.
0: Maybe you feel like you're the one that's on the cross. Maybe you're one of the thieves crucified along Christ. Um. We all have a place to stand in the crucifixion. Um, That's all I've got to say about that.
1: And Father, having both of us been to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and the chapel of Golgotha and placed our hands on the stone that the builders rejected, this quarry there isn't that much place to stand. It's crowded. It was even crowded when we were there, and it's built up into a large church. But I just imagine on that day, all these feelings, those that don't understand, those that do, those like Mary Magdalene, who are watching this precious gift disappear mary his mother watching her son die next to those who are mocking shoulder to shoulder all closing in on christ on the cross as if he's enthroned up on that tree hmm
0: And that's just Palm Sunday.
1: As I said, traditionally in most places, some places, the Eucharist is omitted. In other places, it continues. But still, it is is tradition to, to end this service in silence. I mean, after that, I don't know how you could do anything else
0: of course it continues on like a regular service in most places with with a sermon that hopefully is brief not because not because it's not appropriate to preach on this day but because everything that needs to be said has already been said and there's no reason to try and fill great spaces with empty words hmm. but this this is where this service takes us is to the very end of the story that begins in glory but ends in agony, at least for this part of the story. Now, there is more to be told, and there is more to be said, and Holy Week is a week that is filled with with liturgies and colics and prayers for the entire week. It's not just Palm Sunday and Maundy Thursday. There's Palm Sunday, and then there's Monday in Holy Week, and Tuesday in Holy Week, and there's Wednesday in Holy Week that's commonly referred to as Spy Wednesday, the day that Judas decides to betray Jesus into the hands of the Romans and the the high priests. Um, and then, of course, we get the great three-day festival in the church known as the Triduum.
1: With all these threes, Father, I wonder if it might be appropriate. We began this this podcast with three colex, uh at the beginning of Palm Sunday. And uh, I've turned to the traditional ones. Um, just because that was the first place. Let's look at the contemporary. Are on page... 220. 220 of the Book of Common Prayer. Um, these are the prayers for the... Days in Holy Week, the ones that we don't necessarily go to church for, but there are places that do a service every day. Um, And this is the Monday, the Tuesday and the Wednesday in Holy Week, and we'll just trade those off. Monday in Holy Week. Almighty God, whose most dear son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen.
0: Amen. Tuesday in Holy Week. O God, by the passion of your blessed Son, you made an instrument of shameful death to be for us the means of life. Grant us so to glory in the cross of Christ that we may gladly suffer shame and loss for the sake of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever.
1: Amen. Amen. Wednesday in Holy Week. Lord God, whose blessed Son, our Savior, gave his body to be whipped and his face to be spit upon, give us grace to accept joyfully the suffering of the present time. That hits different. I'm going to read that again. Give us grace to accept joyfully the sufferings of the present time, confident of the glory that shall be revealed through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.
0: Amen. That's all we have for you for this first in a series of podcasts that will explore the power and the mystery of Holy Week as we move ever closer towards the mystery of the resurrection and towards exploring the mystery of the Holy Eucharist. Please look for our next episode to be upcoming uh, in due course. We'll try not to have so much distance between the episodes. And uh, we appreciate everyone who has been reaching out and contacting us and saying such kind things on the Facebook page and interacting with us. Uh, It's it's always a joy to know that all y'all, are out there. And we hope it's enough of you to be an all y'all. Please feel free to share the podcast with people that you think might enjoy it and uh, reach out to us through our website and let us know how we can uh, better answer questions. So send us your questions, send us your comments, so long as they're kind, and uh, continue to walk with us as we continue to explore the power and the majesty of Jesus Christ as revealed through the Book of Common Prayer. So, Father Joshua, until next time, may the peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you.